Ben, to elaborate on what Ben was saying, if I backtrack it slightly, if you follow the signs, if you follow the leading of, of the Holy Spirit, if you follow what God's doing, you can, you can see what God's doing. Does that make sense? I haven't said that very eloquently. But you can, you can see the signs, you can see what God is doing and it gives you a heads up on the season that you're entering. And so, um, you know, when Ben was talking about the guy in the, in the shoe shop and, and the lady who got saved last week in our prayer team meeting, let me, let me elaborate on that just slightly so that you can see that there's a, there's a pattern, there's a sign that God is, is pouring out for us to, to kind of see what he's doing in this season. We meet in a rec centre that's open to the public. This is our team. We meet on Wednesdays. We get together. We pray. We plan. We strategize. We have discipleship, that kind of stuff. That happens every Wednesday. We meet in a rec center in a separate meeting room that's off to the side of a cafe, a public cafe. Does that make sense? You book the meeting area. There's a closed door and there's a key card that only people in that area have a key card to and can get in and out and you book it. So it's private, private meeting area. So two weeks ago, we walk in and we're having our meeting and we're praying and we're praying up a storm as we always do it, pour it out. And a lady walks into our meeting while we're praying and we're kind of, you know, tactfully, nicely, very compassionately explaining to her, we're actually having a meeting in here and we've booked the room and blah, blah, blah. And as the conversation unfolds, we started to realise, well, I guess if you're happy to be in here while we're praying, then fine, just stay. And so we let the, you know, let the lady stay. You know what I'm saying. We're kind of like, all right, then fine, carry on with your work. As long as you don't mind that we are a church and we're having a meeting and we will be praying and etc. etc. She was happy to stay. She sat through like a couple hours of us praying up a blinking storm in that place and praying for the city and the Sunshine Coast and, and all of you guys and what God's doing and sharing our hearts and all of that. Long story short, at the end of that time, I was like, I can't believe this lady has sat through that. And um, as we were leaving, and we'd been praying very specifically calling in the city that morning. We'd been very specifically releasing awakening over the Sunshine Coast and agreeing and partnering with what God's saying about harvest and people having encounters with him and calling in the hungry, right? And so as we got up to leave our team meeting, um, I just I was like, this is so blinking prophetic that you don't have to be a prophet to kind of see that while we're in there, in our pour it out team meeting praying for calling in the hungry, here's this lady who's walked into a closed off meeting area with us and almost literally is sitting on top of us while we're praying. And so um, as we left, I just got up and went and gave her a word and I had no word. This is just an encouragement to you. I, I want to be honest. I didn't have a prophetic word to give her that morning other than a sense that I was like, this is really prophetic. She's sat here the whole time. I want to bless her. I just want to bless the lady. And so I walked up to her and this is just a little little tip maybe for some of us, for some of our hearts. I had nothing, but I had a heart to bless her. It was really that simple. So I just walked up to her and I said, um, do you mind, I'm just, um, I'm just growing, and she already knew we were a church, so I just said, I'm just growing in learning how to hear God for people. I'm wondering if you would let me practice on you. 
and she kind of looks at me and she goes, what would that like, what would that look like? And I said, well, I'll just tell you what I think God's saying and you can tell me how you think I go. And so I just told her what I started to hear then of what God was saying to her and she was more than happy to tell me how she thought I went. <laughs> and, um, and it was good and she was blessed and God really did bless her. But it was the very next week, just this last Wednesday in our prayer meeting, that we walked in and there was that lady who ended up getting saved. It was the very next day that we were out on sun, in Sunshine Plaza and the guy says to Ben, I want to go to church. There's a pattern, right? There's, a, there's signs that you can look at. I know from talking to all of you guys that there are similar stories going on in all of your lives. <laughs> and so if we put all of that together, you can follow the signs and go, we're coming into harvest time. We're coming into the season of breakthrough and God is doing stuff. And as we've been talking about and prophesying about for some time in this house, that part of what needs to happen is a flick switching in our own brain that we have an expectation that people are hungry. That we have an expectation that people are just waiting to be asked about encounters. That, that things are changing. Now I know that's not every single person that you meet. But it's going to be a great majority of the people that we come across in our spheres of influence, right? And so God is moving. Now, we've also been talking about, and I think it was two Sundays ago, I, I've kind of lost, lost track of the um, timing a little at the moment, but we were talking about double portion being poured out. Can you remember that? Those of us were here and we really prayed and released that over all of us, a double portion anointing for this seizing, that, that God is giving back what the enemy has stolen and that is pouring in double into our lives, an increase of breakthrough, an increase of anointing. Well, I've been thinking about that and really just pressing into that a little bit just recently because I know that I know that I know that God is pouring out a double portion and I just wanted to to think on that for a little bit and some of my thoughts have been added into by Bill Johnson because I heard him recently talk about it as well so I just want to give some honour where honour's due in all of that. I just listened to him and I went, wow, that's, you know when you just hear the right thing in the right moment and he was talking about it in recent weeks as well and so there's there's a theme going on in, in the body of Christ at the moment that God is not only pouring out double portion but he's inviting people into a season of double portion. And so I just want to look at that a little bit tonight and then we're just going to pray and release it. Is that good? Uh, hang on. I just put the wrong password into my phone. Okay. 2 Kings 2, if you want to read along, I'm just going to read some of this to you. It's entitled Elijah Taken Up to Heaven. I'll refer to some of this in a minute, so I just wanted to read it. So Elijah Taken Up to Heaven. When the Lord was about to take Elijah, the reason why I'm reading this is because when we talk about a double portion anointing, uh, the, the main Bible reference that we refer to is about Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was the the head prophet, for lack of a, another way to put it, and he had someone that he was mentoring, Elisha, and at the end of Elijah's life, Elisha asked for a double portion anointing. And it's often referred to, back to them, when everyone's prophesying and talking about double portion anointing, great majority of that is coming from the scripture references to do with what I'm about to read. 
When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel, not the Bill Johnson Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha said, so be quiet. Then Elijah said, Don't, I just love the blatant, blatantness of the Bible sometimes. <laughs> yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and he went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water, water with it. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. That's where I'm going to end reading for tonight. So as we were reading that, and as I was thinking about that, you know, the thought has come to me that when we pray big and we pray bold prayers, that more often, and more often than not, God positions us to see if we can carry what we're asking for. And he positions circumstances around us or positions us in the midst of circumstances where really we're walking through an assignment or a test, for lack of another word. We're certainly work walking through a season of us discovering, can I really carry what I've just asked God for 
And so as we're bold in our prayers and we say, I want more, God. I want a double portion. I want more of you. I want to see more miracles. I want to see more healing in my life. I want increase, Father. I'm decreeing breakthrough over me. None of us should really be surprised if we find ourselves in situations where it requires breakthrough, the very thing that we have been crying out for. And we can walk through almost what sometimes seems like a a wilderness or a dry season season or just a difficult season or a challenging season where everything around us suddenly now requires breakthrough. I remember one day Ben said to me um, a while back, like we needed our lawns done. It just has always stuck in my head. We needed our lawns done and we'd been going through a season of, of things being really challenging financially, actually really challenging in every way, but especially in finances. And we just really needed the lawns done. And our lawnmower had had broken like ages ago. We had no money to pay for um, a guy at that point to come and come and do our lawns. And I remember Ben just saying, I'm tired of using my faith to just to get breakthrough to get the lawns done. And I remember it kind of just hit me like, uh, you know, you know when things just hit you and I'm like, yeah, I want to be done with this season. It feels like everywhere I turn, I'm needing breakthrough to put petrol in the car, breakthrough to get the lawns done, breakthrough to buy this for this. You hear what I'm saying? Ever been through a season like that? And yet I know that I know that I know that we'd also been through a season where one of my greatest prayers was, God, I'm decreeing increase of breakthrough over my life. And then you find yourself in a season where it requires breakthrough just to get through the next hour of your life. It doesn't always have to be that way, but can you relate to that, right? Where we find ourselves positioned with many and great opportunities to grow in the very things that we've been asking God to pour out over us, right? So here's Elisha, and he has been being mentored by Elijah And even if you look at the start, I didn't read it tonight, but if you look at the very start of Elisha's journey with Elijah, Elijah came up to him and throws his uh, cloak over him, which in uh, traditional prophetic language essentially means, come on, I'm going to mentor you. You can have what's on my life, right? And if you read the scriptures, many of them put it very in similar ways, that Elijah threw his cloak over him and then he just walked away. And there's kind of like a sense of, even from the very beginning of Elisha's journey with this great man of God, that there was a choice to Elisha, well, am I going to follow? Am I really willing to pay the price? I've been, you know, clearly Elisha was chosen of God because here's Elijah come along and throws a cloak over him. And there was a moment right from the start where Elisha had a choice, well, am I really going to follow? Am I really going to pay the price here? And the story goes on and we get to the end of the days. The scriptures make it very clear that Elisha really stuck with Elijah through thick and thin. He really stuck with him. He was with him everywhere he went. There were lots of times, even where, as I just read in 2 Kings 2, where Elijah would say, I'm doing this and um, tell him almost, don't come. You know, it reminds me of stories. I've had um, different, different pastors, and I've said this to people too sometimes when they've said, you know, I want to be in ministry, and I'm like, well, don't unless you hear God. 
Don't do anything in life that's a call without hearing God. That's what it comes down to because there's a price to be paid for whatever we're called to, so make sure that you're called to it. And I don't mean that in any way of attaching fear for any direction we head in. I'm just attaching the reality that God calls all of us into what we do with our life. Hear his call and do it faithfully. Got to backtrack my thoughts here, right? So here's Elisha following Elijah. He wanted a double portion anointing. And so obstacles came up. And Elisha is uh, very faithfully following Elijah. He gets to the end of his life. Now, the scripture is very clear that Elijah goes up to heaven in a whirlwind. But right at the end, when Elisha says, I want a double portion anointing, he asks something that Elijah couldn't give him. Does that make sense? He actually was asking for something that only God could give Elisha. It's like when we ask for breakthrough. It's like when we ask a whole bunch of stuff. A person can't give you that. Only God can give you that. But Elisha asked Elijah, and Elijah said, this is a really difficult thing because Elijah knew, I can't actually give you that. God's going to have to give you that. And so inspired by a revelation from heaven, Elijah says to him, all right, if you see me go up into heaven, God will give you what you're asking for. And so Elisha was given a very clear assignment that he needed to stick with Elijah right to the very end and see Elijah go up into heaven. And as he saw him go up into heaven, he could have a double portion anointing. And as the story goes on, here's what happens as Elijah goes up into heaven. There's a, a golden chariot, a chariot of fire that comes down. And scripture makes it really clear that the chariot stood. If Elijah's here and Elisha's there, then the chariot is right here. And so there's this huge manga chariot now between Elisha and Elijah. Now Elisha knew, I want a double portion anointing. He knew that. He'd asked for it. Elijah had said to him, to his faithful servant, he'd said to him, okay, God's saying that you can have that, but you have to see me go up into heaven. And then he'd followed him all through this journey, really an entire life of faithfulness. He'd followed him and he'd done what God had asked. And he gets to the very critical moment of Elijah about to go into heaven and he knows Just keep my eyes on him. 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 He's going to go any minute. All the prophets keep saying to me, do I know that he's going? Yes, I know that he's leaving. And I know that God has said to me, I can have a double portion anointing, but I have to see Elijah go up into heaven. So I've just got my eyes on him. My eyes are on you, Elijah. They are not coming off you, Elijah, right? You get it? And there was a real significance here because Elisha knew that he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew I have to do this I have to see him leave if I see him leave I can have more and then right in the midst of the very critical moment here comes the chariot of fire and where does it go it doesn't go up there it goes right here in front of Elijah so that I can't see Elijah anymore God what are you doing 
I need to see Elijah go to heaven. You told me that if my eyes are on Elijah, I will see him go up to heaven. And now you send this like supernatural, crazy, amazing, awesome, incredible chariot of fire down and you put it right between me and Elijah. How am I supposed to see Elijah now? And if we think about it for a moment, isn't that a bit like our lives when we cry out to God for something and then there can be a distraction after distraction after distraction after distraction to take our eyes off the very thing that we need to be focused on to enter into what we've been crying out for. And if you read scripture right here, in this moment at least, that chariot of fire didn't come from the enemy. That chariot of fire came from God. And so there can be good distractions in our lives that will still take our eyes off the very thing that we are called to. The very thing that God is saying, pay a price for this and you can have it. But sometimes in the very things that we are crying out for, the good things, the God assignments, the call on our life, there can even be good distractions that come. That if we put our eyes on the good distractions that are coming, it will take our eyes off the destiny that God has for us. If we're going to specifically talk about a double portion anointing, if we're going to specifically hone this down to, I want more in my life because I need more in my life then there will be distractions that come just like a golden chariot. What does that look like? That means that sometimes that we can, uh, we can get stuck on the good at the cost of the best. It means that sometimes we can get carried away with good ideas in our lives that aren't God ideas in our lives. Sometimes we can go, whoa, look at the chariot, that's awesome, wow, look at the stuff that God is doing, wow, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, I missed Elijah going to heaven. I spent my whole life waiting for that moment and I just missed it because I was looking at some other good stuff. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves that if we really want a double portion anointing, in our life, if we really want to walk in more, then we, can, we can't afford to live our life any other way than in absolute, sold-out devotion to the presence of God. Because any other distraction or our eyes focused on anything else will mean we'll miss the moments where God's bringing the double portion breakthrough to our life. Now we know from reading that that Elisha did receive a double portion breakthrough in his life because immediately after that, so as they're going to that moment where Elisha had to, um, to watch him go up into heaven and clearly Elisha found a way to look past everything else going on and keep his eyes on what God had told him to keep his eyes on. Clearly God had found a way because on their way to that moment it said that they crossed a river, Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah threw down his cloak and the waters parted and they walked through. Well, right after that moment it says that Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak and he came to the same waters and he threw down the cloak and the waters passed 
and Elisha passed through. And we know from reading scripture that um, all the miracles that Elijah did, Elisha did and in a double portion way after that moment. And so we know that God made it really clear that Elisha passed that test, right? That Elisha received a double portion anointing. But we also know that God is saying to us that he's giving us the very same invitation in this season to walk in a double portion anointing. But what that requires is an absolute sold out focus on his presence. And it requires an absolute sold out focus on the assignments that God has given to our lives. And the distractions, whether they be from the enemy or even just be good stuff, take our eyes off the breakthrough that God has for us. And if you look at the very first miracle that Elisha did, and I, I was just referring to it, the very first miracle that Elisha did after, after he received a double portion anointing. So let's just look at it this way. Why do we even want a double portion anointing? Why do we even want it? Why are we crying out for a double portion anointing? More of God. The very first miracle that Elisha did after double was added to his life is to walk through a body of water and it parted to the right and the left and he walked through on dry ground. It's deliberately reminiscent of Moses crossing the Red Sea. It's deliberately reminiscent of Joshua crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land. It's deliberately saying to us, if you want to enter the promises on your life in the fullness of breakthrough and come into a season of harvest and a season of breakthrough, there is no other way than through a double portion of breakthrough being added to your life. And there's no way to enter into the double portion anointing other than sold out, complete, absolute, unashamed, unabashed, devoted, uh, just crazy, I'm going after God and nothing is going to get in my way. I will not look to the left. I will not look to the right. I am going after you, God, and I am coming into my destiny and into everything that you have planned for my life. And I am going to stay focused completely on you, God. And Jesus, give me a grace to not look to the left, even when it's good, because I want what is best. I want what is best. And so we're in a season right now where God is offering and inviting his people to enter into double portion. And he's saying to us, you know what? It's easy and it's hard all at once. Keep your eyes on me. That's the simple, if you want to break it all down to this, keep our eyes on God. The challenging part of that is that there are so many distractions. <laughs> and the distractions that come from the enemy are sometimes a little bit easier because it's really quite obvious that it's the enemy trying to keep you from what God has for you. Does that make sense? It's the distractions that are dis disguised as good ideas that are the hard ones. It's the distractions that are disguised as, oh man, that sounds awesome! That sounds so exciting! Oh yes, I'll do that, yeah, I'll come. 
It's the distractions that look like, oh man, that sounds awesome. I'll get like so much money if I do that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, that sounds great. And there's nothing wrong with more money. I'm just saying, sometimes it's not the door God has for us to walk through. It's the distractions that sound like wisdom, but actually are just lack of faith. It's the distractions that sound like a really great idea, but never came out of the heart of a good father to start with. It's the distractions that sound like the, uh, the voices of, of the prophets of, of doom and gloom and fear that really are just speaking into our lives to keep us out of faith. It's those distractions. It's those distractions that usually take our eyes off the focus of just on God and what he's speaking to us. Amen. I just want to end by playing a video and then I'm going to pray. And the video really doesn't have much to do with, with what, I'm, what I've said other than it releases faith. Does that make sense? It's a video, some of you may have seen it. It's of David Hogan. It's 10 minutes long. Um, and then I'm just going to pray so that'll be the end of tonight. It's David Hogan talking about um, just a resurrection story and Rob DeLuca, who'll be with us next week, has just spent a bunch of time with, um, with David Hogan. But I, wanna, I just want to play it because it's just dripping in bold, crazy, hard-out faith. And to enter into double portion, we need bold, crazy, hard-out faith. Does that make sense? And so, aside from this is an incredible testimony, it, it carries faith. I want you to receive the faith that's just oozing off this. And then I'm just going to stand and we're going to pray and release, uh, just breakthrough and double portion over us, okay? Does that make sense? Just enjoy this. It's a great story. I was in Africa for a month and a half, and I'm tired, I'm in the bush. I fly over from there to south to uh, Australia, from uh, Joe Bird to uh, Sydney. And, uh, you know, and I work in Australia for a month and a half. Miss Hogan fly, flew down to meet me and all this. It's awesome, I go over to New Zealand, and I work there for three or four weeks. And then I'm going home now, Miss Hogan and I. And I'm so pleased with God, because he, these long-haul flights are just absolutely torturous. And I do it all the time, lots now. And so when God takes it, and I like to stay with this one company, and they're always now, because of so many miles and all that, they let me go up in that awesomeness world. <laughs> and so I'm so happy, Miss Hogan and I have been bumped up into first class, and I feel so important. So I get in line. I'm actually in line boarding the plane, and they call my name on the thing. And they say, we're sorry, but we've got to bump you back. <clears throat> I apologize to you, but my humanity showed up. I said to the lady, no. Do you understand? I'm tired. I've been gone for four months. I am just tired. I've been in the bush Hours, days, weeks. I, I just want to lay down on that thing. 
I just want somebody to come tuck me in and feed me T-bones. I want that. She said, not going to happen this time. So I took my seat back there where they got the chickens in the crates. Go back there. <laughs> you want some water? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's real Billy really being nice. No. <laughs> okay. And this guy, all of a sudden, Starts bucking. I'm going, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, that joker is letting off gas. He's belching. He's, he's banging the chair. He's having some kind of crazy fit. And Ms. Hogan just turned and looked at me. I told you. God didn't need you up yonder. He needs you back here. Now you get over yourself and act like who you really are. So you just might as well take it and shut up because she's right. The guy all of a sudden stopped. And I go, yeah. And Miss Hogan goes, David, he's dead. I said, no way. She said, raise him from the dead. I said, I will not. If they cart him off, I can just push his chair up. <laughs> see, 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 I will publicly humiliate myself to show you how human all of us really are and how our thoughts are not God's thoughts. They're not, that ain't right. You can't be like that. Well, why don't you stop and teach me? Okay, so uh, this is bizarre. Miss Hogan, ah, she just, she, she's out of her mind. She just climbs up between, there ain't that much space. Sticks her head in there. You got a dead man over here. The woman, the wife, is freakazoid. <laughs> Doctors are there. All these people's doing that stuff they do. Miss Hogan's looking at me. Get up here and raise him from the dead. I, said, I will not. <laughs> I have been doing this for five months straight. I'm having an off day.
Okay. And I told the doctors, y'all excuse me. These women, I don't know. Something's wrong with these ladies here. And the doctor goes, we can't do nothing. I said, I can't. He said, the doctor said to me, the man's dead. I said, No, I work for a guy. <laughs> and he is so awesome. His name is Jesus. And I understand you people. See, I did the you people word. You people don't believe him. But I'm fixed to give you a lesson in who he is. Now, I asked the head, uh, what do you call it, purser. I asked that lady, I says, do you mind if I raise this guy from the dead? She looked at me. I don't know of any rules against it. I said, okay, all right. It's true. They haven't thought far enough ahead. So, I told you this was fun. That's the best one yet. Where's Miss Deborah? This is the best one yet. Best one yet, thanks. Give my compliments to whoever made it. So. The lights come on. Oh. Well, it's a good thing I lost my embarrassment and my fear of man and my give a flying flip button. I'm serious. I put my hands on it. I'm over him now. All these people, you know what I mean? How close these people are. And they're just watching. Jesus, first of all, I'm apologizing to you about my humanity earlier. But I can't seem to get over that part. So I asked you for mercy for this fellow right here. And would you please not let anything else happen so my wife will go to sleep. Now you come back here in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, everybody on that plane, on our, back there with the chickens, this guy, he went, oh. <laughs> We land in Los Angeles. And so, 
I get up, you know. I'm getting Ms. Hogan's backpack and, uh, you know, organizing my stuff because I didn't sleep. I was now I'm... <laughs> and, uh, Ms. Hogan went right to sleep and I don't know how many hours she slept, lots. Because, <laughs> see, she felt safe again. She got her dead-raising friend back. Now, let me just tell you how awesome it is. We're getting off now. We're fixing to go through customs, right? And that man and that woman, that man turned around and he looked at me. He said, I ain't felt this good in years. I said, I need you to go to your doctor. I need you to get checked out. You're probably going to find yourself healed. I said, I don't know what the name of the thing was. It killed you probably heart. Look, the way I saw you acting, it's probably a heart problem. Probably congestive heart failure is what it seemed like. I've been around it a lot. But go and, get, go, and, go and have your heart checked out. I'm pretty sure you got a new one. He said, do you understand how awesome it is to have you sitting that close to me? I said, I do understand that. I do understand how awesome it is. And his wife grabbed my hand and she put her head, her head down, her, her cheek. You understand, you understand this or not? Thank you for giving me my husband back. I said, you know I didn't do that. She said, I know you didn't. But I saw you. You're not afraid. Jesus loves you. Boy, it just made me, I started crying. I, I felt humiliated because of my earlier attitude and all of this. But I had to be there. That's what heroes do. They raise the dead. They cleanse the lepers. They cast out demons. And they heal the sick. And they do it on purpose. See? It's good, huh? It's good, huh? That's why we want a double portion. That's why we want more. That's why we are believing for more. Because on the other side of our believing for more are people's lives saved, healed, delivered, changed, transformed. Amen. Is that worthy of paying a price to carry more? We're in a season where God is offering more and we're in a season where God is saying and he's, he's calling. He's calling people into a place of saying, will you pay the price to carry more? <laughs> it's really that simple. I don't know how to make it any more simple. He's looking for a people who will say, I want more. I don't care what it costs. I want more. Because on the other side of our yes is a people. I don't think it was by coincidence that last Tuesday I was struggling in myself to pay a price to fast. And Wednesday morning a lady got saved <laughs> who just happened to be right where I walked in. No effort. Great ease. And I, this is not about fasting. This is about 
just obedience to what God asks us to do sometimes. Because if we really want to just break down what our, you know, keeping our eyes on Jesus looks like, it looks like this. What has God said to you? Do it. What has God said to you? Do it. I just want to pray and let's just release. Um, actually, I want to say this one last thing. It's, it's just a really quick thought, but it's going to encourage us. This is just an encouragement to, I think, this house, an encouragement to the faithful people of this house. Um, you know, Elijah, who we've been talking about, is referred to in the Old Testament as being the greatest of prophets, right? And then you fast forward to John the Baptist in the New Testament, and he is called um, the greatest of these. He's called, um, you know, a great prophet, and he... John the Baptist, it is said of him in scripture that he carried the spirit of Elijah. Now, if you think about it, Elisha carried a double portion of what Elijah carried. And so why, if John the Baptist is the greatest, is he referred to as carrying a spirit of Elijah? Shouldn't really he be referred to as carrying a spirit of Elisha? Does that make sense, logically? Kind of, well, Elisha actually walked in double what Elijah walked in. And if John the Baptist is the greatest, then why is he not walking in a spirit of Elisha? And let me, um, you know, Bill Johnson kind of was sharing this thought and it struck, struck me down another path. And, um, you know, it's really this simple. God honours fathers and mothers. And God honours the people or the person who pays the price to get the beginning of a breakthrough that others then walk in. Why was John the Baptist referred to as walking in a spirit of Elijah? Because Elijah was the father who paid a price that others could walk in. And sons and daughters often and are supposed to walk in more. But someone had to pay a price first. And I want to just speak over us on our last Sunday of 2015 that for many of us in this house it has been a challenging year and it has been an amazing year and it has been a year of seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living but I want to speak this over you that this house is called to be a pioneer of carrying his presence and because of that, we have found ourselves sometimes in challenging situations. But I want to say this. God honours the pioneers who will pay a price to carry something that others are going to enter into with ease. And so I want to speak over all of you tonight and all of you who have paid a price to carry what you're carrying. That God knows your name. God honours the price that you've paid. And when you see the harvest coming in, I want you to smile, not in a prideful way. I want you in a smile of knowing my Father has taken great joy in partnering with me so that we can carry something that others are going to come into and find great joy. To hear the smile of heaven right now. God honors the fathers who pay the price so that the sons and daughters can come in. Can I just pray?
over us tonight as we come to the end of 2015 into a season of great breakthrough and harvest. I just want to release that over you. Can we stand? I know we do this often, but let's just bunch up. You don't have to join up every little gap, but if you're here with friends or family, stand with them like we did on Christmas morning. Stand with your family. We're all family, but you hear what I'm saying, right? Because like Ben said at the start of tonight, I think another thing that this year has been for Pour It Out is a year of family. I really think family has been forged and grown in this place this year. We've stood together, we've cried together, we've laughed together, we've worshipped together, we've, we've just had crazy wild moments together. But we've seen the goodness of God together, haven't we? And I know this, that what the enemy has meant to destroy us made us stronger. And we are strong because God is strong and because God pours out strength even when we are weak. And so, Father, we just join together tonight as family. And we just stand together tonight as family. And God, we just thank you right now for 2015 and what you've been pouring out. We thank you for 2015 and what you've grown in us. We thank you for 2015 and what you've just ever so carefully and gently and generously added into our hearts. And God, we thank you that you have been strong, even where we have been weak. And we thank you that you are amazing. And we thank you that you have poured out such goodness in the land of the living this year, God. And so we just want to close off 2015 with one word. Thank you. And we want to enter into 2016 with one word. Thank you. And Father, we just stand together tonight and as we always do, we cry out for more. We cry out for more for our own hearts. We cry out for more for our families. We cry out for more for our city, Father. And we cry out for more for this region and our nation, Lord. And so we just come to you right now, God, and I ask you to impart to us new levels in this next season, to impart to us new breakthroughs in this next season, Father. Lord, to impart to us that grace to be able to stay single-eyed focused on what it is that you are calling us to. Lord, we just ask for a grace of being able to steward our hearts well and a grace of being able to fall deeply, madly, passionately in love with you, Father. And so, God, I just speak breakthrough. I speak increasing breakthrough. And I speak sustained breakthrough. And I speak increasing joy and increasing passionate love after your heart. So as we just stand and worship God, I just want this to be a sacrifice of praise to close off our 2015. We just say thank you. You're amazing. 